0: Good morning, you're listening to Holding Ground. I'm your host, Laura Richer. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am joined by Anchor Light's own marriage and family therapy intern, Denise Johnson. Good morning, Denise. Good morning, Laura. So happy to be here. Thanks for being on the show today. So today we have a great question and it's something that comes up quite a bit in the couples therapy work that both Denise and I do. And that's how to find balance in your relationship, how to find balance between focusing on yourself and your own goals while still being a good partner and giving the relationship the time and energy that it deserves. Great topic. I do think it's important to really stay
1: committed to your own self-care. I think that our relationship with ourselves really does set the stage for our relationships with everyone else. Why do you think it's important?
0: You know, it's very easy to, especially in a new relationship, to just—it's kind of intoxicating—all the excitement and all those good uh, hormones and brain chemicals that are flowing—to to lose sight of of yourself and your own goals. But I think ultimately, once once you settle into a relationship, if you don't continue to focus on yourself, you're—you might grow resentful of your partner. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest um side effects that we see of of when someone's in a relationship when they let go of their own self-care they actually even if their partner isn't asking them to do that they actually start to resent their partner have you ever seen that oh absolutely
1: absolutely i think that when we neglect ourselves our self-esteem does suffer mm-hmm. i know that when i'm overworking and neglecting myself i'm so much more easy to to be triggered all those negative emotions are so much more activated you know fear anger sadness it's almost like somebody put a different pair of glasses on me and I'm seeing my relationships my life in a certain way so yeah I would I would agree that if we lose sight of how important it is to commit to our self-care our relationships will definitely suffer
0: Yes. You know, and that's such a great point. And we tap, we touched on that a little bit last week um, when we were talking about confirmation bias, but when you are neglecting yourself, whether it's because you're overworked or, you know, maybe you're a new parent or, you know, something has your full focus other than being able to take care of yourself. It's easy to default into some of those old thought patterns and project those onto your partner. Those, like you said, those glasses that you're looking through every, looking at everything through that negative lens. Absolutely. And
1: I've noticed over time that as I've taken steps to become more empowered, I'm so much less triggered by by anyone in my life. So it does make a big difference to commit to that self-care and working on the relationship you have with yourself.
0: It is Absolutely. so important.
1: It's so important. And yet I see over and over again, how often people do neglect themselves.
0: And why do you think that people do that? There are so many different reasons. I think one of them is something that, you know, there's kind of this myth that your relationship is going to uh, save you, that finding the finding the right partner is the end all be all and then everything will be okay and you just need to focus on that and we have all kinds of great movies and stories and fairy tales that we've listened to throughout our lives that really uh reinforce that that messaging Yeah, i like to call that the the romantic rescue yes yes (laughs) you know i always reference jerry Maguire, uh that 90s movie the tom cruise 90s movie you complete me um which isn't that a great romantic notion that somebody would come along and, and complete you and everything that hurt would finally go away and that you'd live happily ever after. I mean, it makes sense why we would want to believe that. It's a great movie, but in reality, (laughs) it never works out like that. No. So what does that really look like in relationships, Denise? Like when you see somebody, when you're working with a couple who is expecting their partner to complete them, what does that look like in reality?
1: Ah, that's a great question. I think that, like you said, it leads to a lot of resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of these patterns also can be um, from our childhood, our Mm -hmm. role models. If we grew up in a a family where our parents neglected themselves, maybe they were overworkers or they were under-functioning and we were parentified. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, early on, as a child, you had to take on more responsibility than you were ready for. That can bleed into your adult relationships. And so those patterns of sort of like over-functioning and under-functioning can really lead to some pretty dysfunctional patterns in a relationship. And I see that a lot. What about you?
0: Yeah, and just, and, and just inappropriate expectations of our partners and what their role is going Be in our lives. So, you know, we talk sometimes about attachment styles and how adults bond in relationships. And you might notice that someone who has an anxious attachment style, which means that they might be fearful of abandonment. They might be fearful in relationships that either they're not good enough, they don't deserve love, um, that relationships are hard to come by. And so they kind of have to panic and hold on tight so they don't lose it. You might find that those uh, people may be over-focused on the relationships and, and, Absolutely. and still become resentful that they're not focusing on their own needs, but out of fear, that's how they're attaching to their partner. And yeah. their partner might become resentful too, because they're asking them to, to heal a wound or fill a need that they really can't. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And there's almost this over emphasis on needing that constant affirmation or reassurance. And I see this a lot where it's almost like the person with that anxious attachment is reading into things that aren't even there. They're they're hearing things in a particular way and the partner can the other partner can get so frustrated because they're there, they're committed and yet it doesn't seem to make a difference. Because like you said, it's a childhood wound and you can't really fill that with a partner. You can exactly. try, but, yes. <laughs> but it doesn't work. That's why self-care, I mean really our own mental health has to be our priority. Exactly.
0: Because nobody can in a lot, like you said, a lot of these fears about relationships are rooted in, in our childhoods and how we uh, attach to our parents. And if there was any interruption or dysfunction in that attachment, we might unconsciously look to our partners to heal that, that wounding, but in fact, Mm -hmm. they don't have the power to do that. And so just being aware that, you know, if you're needing constant reassurance, if, if you, if it feels like, they're not doing something to make you feel better, there's a good chance that you might need to be doing some of your own work. Um absolutely. And then on the flip side of that, you know, you mentioned the person who is is under functioning in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're the they're the opposite side of that spectrum. They might um pull away from the relationship. They might easily feel overwhelmed in the relationship. Um, and they actually might not show up for their for their partners. They might be more avoidant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can look
1: like they're focusing on themselves, but if you're just trying to avoid, you're trying to run away from your pain, that's not really self-care. I think that our relationships can actually be a great opportunity to learn more about ourselves. We can understand what are these unhealed parts that are getting triggered over and over again, but then self-care is really about committing to working on those parts, to healing those parts, so yeah, the avoidant personality often appears to be really selfish um, because they're less likely to want to spend all their time with their mm-hmm. their partner. But really, that avoidance is often just trying to escape their pain.
0: Yes. And then they're denying themselves the opportunity to have intimacy and connection in their relationships, which if anyone, you know, has ever been avoidant or, or been in a relationship with someone who has more of an avoidant attachment style, it appears that they don't want connection, but that in fact, isn't true. It's just that it becomes overwhelming because of those unhealed attachment wounds.
1: Exactly. And I think our society doesn't necessarily encourage us to focus on self-care. We're you know we very much seen as positive based on our productivity. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I hear that cool. over and over again, where people are overworked. They have to work 60 or 70 hours a week, and it doesn't leave a whole lot of time to focus on yourself. Right.
0: Right. And it's interesting because that is so normalized in our culture. We have a lot of uh, clients who work at big corporations here in the Seattle area and they have um, great salaries and great benefits and do important work. But with that comes the expectation that they should be superhuman and they should work 60, 70 hours a week. And then they should also be able to, you know, go to the gym and spend time with their families. I mean, how could you possibly have any time for self-care if that was the schedule that you were on?
1: Exactly. And I think that we, are taught very much to seek that outside approval. So, you know, we're trying to look a certain way, which is not the same thing as attending to our our inner Mm -hmm. experience. Um, And not to say that going to the gym and wanting to look good and, you know, getting your hair cut, that can be an excellent way to focus on yourself and and bring that self-care to your life. But if you're beating yourself up the entire time, or you're comparing yourself to others, that's really neglecting yourself.
0: Yes. That is not giving you the the actual care that you need. So part of uh, what makes something self-care, because that's kind of a vague concept we talk about in therapy all the time. Oh, you need to practice self-care. Yes. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean getting your hair done and getting a massage? I mean, it can, but I think what, what you're saying here is the, the intent behind it is important too. Yes. And the self-talk. Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's really important is to notice how you're talking to yourself all day long. What are your thoughts? Are they all negative? Are you beating yourself up? And if you notice this trend, this is when it's really important to become more intentional. Mm-hmm. I think therapy is so helpful in in shifting our mindset and the way we talk to ourselves. Recognizing those thoughts, reframing those thoughts, it takes practice.
0: Yes. Yes, because a lot of it's our default that we don't even sometimes realize we're doing it until we've been beating up on ourselves for a significant amount of time. So, in just a moment, we're going to get into some different, concrete, tangible ways that you can uh, practice self-care. But first, before we go there, because this is something that I see come up often in my therapy sessions, is what what is balance? You know, we talked about the um, more anxious attachment style that kind of latches on and wants to put all of their energy into relationship. And maybe the uh, avoidance style that's a little more neglectful of the relationship. And it's very interesting. It seems like these two attachment styles usually find find each other and then become um, uh, engaged in a relationship with each other. But then this is where the conversation starts to happen around self-care and balance. So, what does it look like to give my relationship the energy and the attention it needs while still taking care of myself? What is the balance? What do you think Denise? This is a great question. And it's, it's very common
1: that there are differences that one person has a much greater need for time alone versus their partner and sort of like sex drives, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't always match perfectly well, and that's where compromise comes in i think that compromise is important on all aspects because we are going to be different than our partner there's no way that we're going to find this clone that's going to 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 line up with you know every single value every single need so compromise is really important i love the gottman intervention the compromise do you know that one with the, the big the bagel you make the big
0: circle and the smaller circle. Yeah. Tell our listeners about that. That's a great intervention.
1: Yeah. So really what that comes down to is starting to define what are the areas that you are flexible in and what are the areas that you're inflexible in? So the inner circle, you'd write all, you know, if you're you're talking about, let's say, you know, what kind of house you want to buy. you In the inner circle, you would write all the things that you are not flexible on, that you want a yard. Mm-hmm. Um that you, know, you need to have at least two bathrooms. But then the outside circle are all the things that you are actually flexible on. And then you start this conversation about understanding what are those areas that you're inflexible on and why.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, understanding your, your partner and where they're coming from is so important to managing those differences. I think that if I can understand my partner's need for time alone, and what the, the root of that is, I'm less likely to take it personally as a rejection. So these conversations are crucial. And that's where, you know, a couple therapists can really come in to help facilitate those deeper conversations.
0: Absolutely. And when you don't have those conversations, what ends up happening, what I observe um, a lot with some of the couples that I'm working with is that if you, one of the partners really needs time for themselves, but they don't feel like they can ask for it they Mm. do still take it but it's in ways that are kind of sabotaging to the relationship so they might just kind of pull away completely and suddenly and leave their partner wondering you know wow what happened here what did i what i do wrong when in fact this has been building up over time and that resentment has been building up and they've been giving things to the relationship that they without caring for themselves without taking what they need for themselves and not communicating that
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And so it comes out in this indirect way that can be very painful. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, people are on their phones all the time.
0: Yeah. That's a huge <laughs> right? issue right now. And I think we're going to continue to live in that world. So we have to figure out how to feel find balance there. Yeah. So it's not just,
1: oh, spend time with your partner. It's about the quality. Just mm-hmm. as there's like quality self-care, there's quality time with a partner. If you you know, if you're like, oh, I'm spending all this time with you, and yet really you're not present, Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily fill that cup.
0: Yeah, just because we're sitting in the same space doesn't mean that it's going to feel like quality time if we're not connecting. So if we're both on our phones with the TVs on, it's not likely that you're going to feel like you've truly had a connection with your partner in those kinds of situations, even though you could spend hours together sitting there. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where love languages are really important is also understanding what does feel your partner's cup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You may be, you know, sitting there giving them tons of touch, but really, what they need are words of affirmation. Yeah.
0: Yes, we talk about that quite a bit because we often want to express love in the way we receive it. If touch makes me feel really loved, I'm going to want to touch my partner all the time. But they might not. That might not mean as much to them. They might experience feeling really loved and cared for if I make them dinner or make make their coffee for them in the morning.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: So important to know your partner and continually
1: get to know your your partner because we change over time. Right.
0: Yes. And so sometimes when you've been with someone for 20 or 30 years, you already have such a confirmation bias. You already feel that you know them so well that you're missing the opportunity to get to know who they are today. Exactly.
1: But how do you know? I mean, how do you know what is the right amount of time to spend taking care of yourself? And what is actually moving towards selfishness?
0: So this is a conversation that I think is really difficult for couples to have um, because they don't want to risk losing their relationship. And Mm -hmm. so they sometimes will pull back and not really ask for what they need and then just let that resentment fester until, you know, maybe they land in, in one of our offices, But I do think, you know, even at the risk of losing your relationship, especially when the relationship is new, you want to know what you need in your relationship. If you need a lot of quality time and affirmation, and that's something that will be important to you, then it's probably necessary, not probably, it is necessary for you to communicate that upfront, because if you connect with someone who doesn't really have that to offer, You know, what we do is we connect with people who don't have things to offer that we're looking for. And then we get upset and think, well, if you really loved me, then you would do this thing for me, which in fact, it just might not be in their personality or relationship style to show up in the way that you're wanting them to. So I think part of the finding that balance is communicating what you really need out of the situation. And I have some couples, you know, I encourage them to be very honest about their needs. And that does sometimes lead to them determining that it is not the right relationship for them, you know, and that's okay too. You want to, as painful as that can be, you want to connect with the right partner, not try to, you know, force a square peg in a round hole.
1: I agree. And it's
0: interesting, this
1: whole topic about focusing on yourself. I think selfishness has a really bad name in Mm -hmm. our culture. Uh, But at the same time, Yeah, when when do you know if if your partner is kind of being selfish? I mean, it is a thing, right? I think that if there is that tendency there, it'll come up in other areas Mm -hmm. of of the person's life. You know, if it's part of a, a larger pattern that they're often kind of focusing on their themselves and unable to see other people's needs or have empathy, then you start to go, okay, this might be truly something about this person's personality or you know something that they really need to to look at does that make sense
0: yeah and then that's when you can go back to the bagel and go is this in my non-negotiable part of the circle where I really need somebody who has a certain level of time energy empathy you know whatever it is that feels like it's missing or is this kind of in my like You know, maybe I'm not the kind of person that really does need a partner that is that available to me all the time. And so this isn't really going to be a deal breaker for me. I think, you know, I think it's in Sue Johnson's work um, and some of the EFT trainings I've seen her talk about. And hopefully I'm not misquoting her, but the concept is correct. People aren't necessarily needy. Like we talk about needy and clingy Mm -hmm. as if it's a bad thing. We just have the needs that we have, so we want to find partners who align with that. And not everyone is going to, uh, you know, different people have different needs, different expectations, and and I think that that's okay. Um, we just want to communicate what our needs are, and and hopefully align with the people that match up with that. And that's true in friendships, romantic relationships, relationships with family.
1: I agree. I do think though, people can change. I really do believe that, and I see that in in my work with couples that you know oftentimes it's these things from childhood that we bring into relationships just need to be addressed mm-hmm. and once those wounds are addressed and and you can create that more secure attachment a lot of these things shift so you know the skills that it takes to really have a healthy relationship it's okay if you don't have those right like we're not really given those tools we're not always given those uh strengths in our childhood but it's something that you can work on over time have you seen that in your practice oh. where yeah the transformation
0: that people can experience yes absolutely and you know change is always possible and so i wouldn't be a therapist if i didn't feel like it was possible for people to change so Sometimes people are just completely unaware of the impact they're having on their partner as well. I had a couple that I worked with years ago where one of the partners just was not that impacted by conflict. And so the way that they handled conflict was just kind of shutting down and setting it aside. And they were in a family that had conflict or moved on from conflict, and it didn't have a strong impact on them. But the way that they handled it with their partner, who was very fearful of conflict, felt felt devastating, felt like, you know, they were being abandoned or they were being attacked. And this was not the intention of the other person, but they just had no idea because their partner had such a different childhood and such a different life experience that this is the impact it was having on them. And just through therapy, learning about the differences and, and how they engaged in conflict and how each of them perceived conflict, they were Mm able to better understand what each other needed in those situations so that they could work together and, and move forward. So, I mean, a deeper understanding of your partner is always going to help you have a healthier, more productive relationship. Yeah. And, and again, being able to work on yourself, being Mm. able to see the areas
1: that are like, Oh, okay. I don't totally like this about myself. I want to work on this. This is why empathy is so important. If we can continue to, to look at people in our lives through the eyes of empathy, really putting ourselves in their shoes, then we can work on ourselves in a way that will manifest better relationships. We're always just thinking about how we want them to show up differently. And we're not willing to kind of do our part. It's not going to lead to a very good outcome. So things like empathy actually can be increased. It's like a muscle. And the more you work it out, the stronger it gets.
0: Yeah. And I think some people, I think empathy is a component of personality too. And so some people naturally have high levels of empathy while other people maybe do not. And that doesn't make one better than the other. It's just a matter of, like you said, you know, tapping, building that muscle, tapping into that, that mindset.
1: Yeah. And, and I see this a lot where sometimes the avoidant partner Mm -hmm. really appears to not have empathy, but really what's going on is they're flooded. Yes. So they're actually very connected to what's happening with their partner. They're feeling it on a really deep level, but they're not really able to express that because they're so flooded.
0: You know, and I think also, it can, on the flip side of that, the more anxiously attached partner might on the surface appear to have more empathy, but in fact, they are very tuned into their own needs. And the anxiety um, is actually shutting down their empathy towards their partner a little bit. So I think that can go both ways.
1: So oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: what do you think are the ways, what are some ways that we can really commit to that self-care so that we show up our best self for our relationship.
0: So I think one of the best things that you can do for yourself, even the extroverts out there, is to spend some time alone, just some quiet time to hear your own thoughts, to relax, to disconnect from all the stimulation in the world around you, whether that's going for a nice long walk or, or doing something you know, just on your own, maybe spending the day going shopping or taking yourself out to a nice dinner, but just something to really be able to connect with yourself. I think it's part of the reason that we lose sight of taking care of ourselves is we have so much outside stimulation of what needs to get done and maybe what the kids need or our partners need or our jobs need, that it's hard to even connect with yourself and know what it is that you need or want.
1: That's a great point. And like you said, just that overstimulation can impact our nervous system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and also it just, it can become a habit that we're always saying yes to everything. We feel like we have to show up for every event. We have to, uh, yeah. Yeah constantly be on the go and really just slowing down and just spending time alone is such a great practice. I think that I noticed in the last two years, as so many things became unavailable, um, that I reconnected with myself in a whole nother way that had been missing for a while, just because of that tendency to be on the go constantly.
0: Right. And you really need that quiet time again, to know what, what, it is that you want. The world tells us so many things about what we should be doing that sometimes it's easy to, to lose sight of, of who we really are and what we really need. So definitely a good point. alone time next is maintain your own friendships. And what do you think the value is of keeping your own friendships? It might even be outside of your relationship. Maybe your partner isn't friends with all of your friends. I think it's really important. This is
1: definitely a pattern that I see, like you said, in a new relationship where it's so intoxicating and you're so excited and all those hormones are flowing. There is a tendency to kind of let go of those friendships. And at the time it may feel good, but in the long run, it's not, it's not a positive uh, choice because your friends can really help remind you who you are you know, especially those ones that have been in your life for a really long time. They're there to, you know, be that mirror so that when you start to have struggles in your relationship, you can lean on those friendships. You can talk to them about that. And and in general, it's just, it's not a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket. It's, it's you know, one person cannot fulfill all of our needs. And so if you have lots of friendships or, or at least maybe one or two really close friends, some of those needs that you're trying to get from your partner, you can just turn towards one of those friends. I mean, my husband doesn't necessarily like to go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love going for shopping, Yeah, but I do that with my best friend and it yeah. works out really well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Esther Perel's work on our show before. We both love her. I was watching something about her this morning and that, you know, as as we have evolved as humans, we have put more and more pressure on our romantic relationships. And they initially, you partnered for basically survival. And mm. then it turned into that you partnered for romantic uh connection and um and romantic love. And, and then it has even moved into the realm where. We partner with people to be better versions of ourselves, to like further our own self actualization. And while all of this is great, that's a lot of weight to put on one relationship. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing that's so important is to maintain and pursue your own goals and your dreams. Yes. What do you think?
0: Well, here's the thing I've seen people do, and I might even have been guilty of this myself from time to time is when we have our own big goals and dreams, um, it's easy to set them aside because they're scary. And so we might think, oh, I'm just going to focus on my relationship or "You know, I'm not going to pursue that, that promotion or graduate degree or whatever it is. But when we do that, we're, we're creating resentment against our partners, even when we don't know it. We're maybe acting out of fear and not focusing on our own goals and dreams and then blaming the people around us. For it. So it's kind of a recipe for disaster. What That's a think?
1: great point. Yeah. And I think that it can be really easy to get very comfortable, mm-hmm. right. And, and to no longer go after, like you said, your goals, your dreams, your challenges, um, because growth does take getting out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but it's important to do that, right. Because over time, if you don't, and you start to feel more and more shut down, that is going to impact your relationship. I think it's like bringing new life. If each partner can feel inspired, that's, that's great. I would say food for the relationship, right? To stay engaged with life, to stay inspired is going to lead towards such a, a better connection. And so, yeah, you got to watch in my head, not to say that, you know, that wonderful comfort that you get in a relationship isn't a positive thing. But if you're noticing that, like you said, you're starting to, ah, move away from your goals, that's something to look at.
0: Yeah. And remember that your partner fell in love with the version of you that was pursuing, probably pursuing your dreams and goals and having your own friends and, and living, you know doing all the things that make you you and i sometimes see that people fall into the pattern of like settling into their relationship letting that all go and then wondering mm-hmm. why they don't feel as excited about each other anymore yeah and i think
1: that oftentimes if we neglect ourselves for instance and um don't take care of our physical bodies that we feel less sexy and yes. then over time we have less interest in sex because we ourselves don't feel sexy. I hear that a lot actually in couples therapy is you know that depending on how you feel about your own body is going to completely impact your sexual relationship.
0: Absolutely. And it's not about maintaining a certain physique or or weight. Of course our bodies change as we age and and all kinds of things happen that are going to cause us to look at look different throughout our lifespan. But it is all like you said, it's about how you feel in your own mm-hmm. body. And a lot of times partners will feel very attracted to the person they're with, but because that person doesn't feel attractive, they're not interested in having a physical connection.
1: That's a great distinction. Yeah. That it's not necessarily your partner that that views you in a certain way. It's how you view yourself. And again, going back to to self-care. Really staying focused on how you feel. Mm-hmm. What is the relationship you have with yourself? How are you talking to yourself? Not about how do you look, you know, how do you compare to others, all of that, although it's really very easy to fall into that, it it really does not lead <laughs> to a very good relationship with yourself. So yes. it's about quieting, quieting the outside noise,
0: mm-hmm.
1: slowing down. Absolutely. Listening to yourself.
0: Yes, and then finally, what we always talk about is take care of your own mental health. That if you are not caring for your own mental health, you're not really going to be in a position to give any energy to your relationship.
1: Absolutely, I I'm a big fan of therapy. Obviously, chose the to
0: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean there really shouldn't be a stigma around therapy because it is such a great opportunity to improve your mental health. I think it's pretty hard to do that stuff on your own. So work yeah, and on your understand
0: who you are and how your life experiences have impacted how you interact in relationships and engage with the world. I mean, these are all things that we don't learn in high school that they, it takes some outside effort and obviously therapy is a great place to do that kind of work. Um, but any other type of journey, whether it's working, you know, on through some spiritual path or, mm. um, you know, yoga meditation, there's all kinds of avenues that people can, can explore to get to know themselves better and to care for their own mental health.
1: Yeah, that's true. You just have to do it, have to just commit
0: to it just have to commit to it. Well, Denise, I can't believe it. We're out of time for today. Thank you so much for being on. Um, If you would like to to connect with Denise or myself, you can go to anchorlighttherapy.com or any of the other therapists at Anchor Light. We will be here again next week, holding ground on Tuesday at 9.30 AM. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can hear us here every Tuesday morning at nine thirty AM on KKNW. I'm Laura Richard, Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at AnchorLightTherapy.com, and we'll see you next week.